this is Base Layer, brought to you by Arca. I'm your host, David Nage. This is Base Layer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. Welcome back to Base Layer. This is David, and this is your new episode of Base Layer with Sky from Cypherium. Cypherium is a highly scalable and robust smart contract platform. Their hybrid design features a joint proof of work and practical Byzantine fault tolerance consensus mechanism that can achieve thousands of transactions per second without sacrificing decentralization. We talked about what that means. We talked about the differences between proof of work and proof of stake and how he can actually get to thousands and he states 6,000 transactions per second. How that works, we talked about the dual chain kind of architecture that they have in place. Um, and we talked about governance and consensus, and we talked about the incentive models. Really interesting conversation because Cypherium is apparently working with a lot of enterprises and big corporations. And so how does a corporation you know, potentially use a public blockchain? And a lot of them are currently looking at private blockchains right now, which really, in many cases, don't do too much in the innovation side. So this is a great conversation learning about what Cypherium is doing and learning how uh, projects like theirs are trying to work with enterprises and big business. So buckle up, listen, learn, and remember nothing on base layer is investment advice. So please do your own research. And on the flip side, you'll hear the show with Sky. Enjoy. This is David, and this is your new episode of Base Layer. We have Sky from Cypherium with us today. How are you doing, Sky? I'm good. Good. Thanks, David. So if you could, you guys are working on a lot of different things in terms of proof of work on Byzantine fault tolerance. You're looking to really work with a lot of enterprises, and you guys have some interesting things that you guys are doing there. If you could, for the listeners, you know, if you could introduce yourself and a little bit about Cypherium, and then we'll go into kind of why you're doing this and what you're hoping to get out of it. Sure. Hi, I'm Sky, CEO of Cypherium. Uh, I'm computer science background. I went to college at Pepperdine and uh, Draper University. And it was at the Draper University I first uh, started getting into the blockchain world. I first used the uh, Ethereum blockchain and uh, the Solidity smart contract. It was great. But I also felt it needs a lot of improvement. Then I came up with the idea of building a better blockchain. That's how Cypherium comes. Uh, Cypherium is a enterprise blockchain that has a hybrid consensus mechanism of proof of work and uh, PBFT. And also it has a Java smart contract and a Java virtual machine. Right. Uh, we choose this technology because um, the Ethereum is very slow, and uh, it can only process 12 transactions per second. But, uh, for example, Visa and PayPal, they process hundreds or even thousands of transactions in our daily life. So the scalability is an issue that can currently hindering the blockchain technology from mainstream adoption. And uh, uh, it is difficult to maintain both performance and uh, decentralization at the same time. Right. Other blockchains, uh, such as EOS, sacrifice decentralization, and it uses uh, 21 nodes uh, as a validator group um, to get an improvement on speed. 
Um, Cypherium is using a PBFT, which it stands for the Practical Byzantine Fault Tolerance uh, Mechanism for Verifying the Transactions. The PBFT algorithm is secure, but it is originally designed as a centralized consensus mechanism, mostly for internal uh, permission systems. So it's not suitable for public blockchain. And our innovation is that we added the dynamic membership by using proof of work so that uh, any node could participate in the PBFT consensus, become a validator through mining, and the winning miner will join the validator group and uh, verify all the incoming transactions, and all the transactions are verified and committed instantly. So, so let's, let's, let's stop there, because sure. you basically just blew up everyone's mind. Uh, yeah, a lot of technology. <laughs> Yeah, that's a lot. Um, and so let's peel back the layers a little bit um, and start talking about why there's a hybrid design. So there's the big blockchain, which is proof of work. There is Ethereum, which is moving from proof of work to proof of stake. There are delegated proof of work and proof of, uh, proof of stake um, consensus models. What is... What is a hybrid to you? There's other people that have come on the show, like a container that talks about hybrids. What is a hybrid design? Why, why do we need a hybrid design? Why can't we just have proof of work or proof of stake? Sure. Um, the hybrid design combines the advantage of the both consensus mechanism. Uh, for example, uh, proof of work is fully decentralized. Any computer can join like Bitcoin and Ethereum network and uh, there's no authority that governs the admissions. Um, but proof of work's biggest disadvantage is that it's very slow. Like Bitcoin can only does seven transactions per second, while Ethereum only twelve. Why is it? What's your question? Yeah, if you, yeah, if you could, why is that? Why can it only do that many? And I know uh, the answer to that, but I think it's enlightening to people. Is it? Is it the? It's the architecture, right? Yeah, it's not just the architecture, but also uh, the proof of work is a method to prevent like civil attack and other dishonest nodes. So by nature, it requires a tremendous amount of calculation. That's why Bitcoin sets the block produce time to be 10 minutes. So every 10 minutes can a block be produced and the transactions be confirmed. And uh, because Bitcoin's transactions are probabilistic, it doesn't have absolute finality. So a transaction takes much longer, like uh, six blocks or one hour to be considered finally secure. So that makes the transactions even slower and not practical for uh, payments and uh, other use. But it makes it safer. Yeah. So proof of work is safe to some extent. For example, Bitcoin, um, it has been running for 10 years and uh, no one is yet able to hack it. But also proof of work um, can create this, uh, centralization like the Bitmain. Um, they almost controlled over 50% of computing power for some time. 
Right. So comparable to Ethereum and comparable to Bitcoin. So you're you're saying that you can get to thousands of TPS of transactions per second, and that's kind of the holy grail. So how do you get to thousands per second? Um, it was because our consensus mechanism decouples the transaction verification step from the proof work step so that um, our transaction verification is done through the PBFT process. And uh, in PBFT, the process is instant. For example, Hyperledger uses the PBFT and it is able to perform like a, a hundred thousand transactions per second, but it's in a centralized internal system. Uh, well, on a public network, uh, during our test, we are able to reach 6,000 transactions on nodes across the world. And uh, we use the proof of work as the dynamic membership. So a node carries a valid proof of work uh, that it has spent uh, a certain amount of energy on the finding of the proof of work then it is valid to join the network uh, and the proof of work serves as a security mechanism to prevent civil attack so if a hacker that controls like tens of thousands botnets machines uh, it could not join the network because those machines don't have the proof of work so a lot of other projects have tried to solve a problem in terms of if I'm a new node, if I'm a new validator, I have to basically download the entire chain and that could be in itself highly consumptive. And so a lot of you know projects out there, not a lot, but a, a fair number of projects have started to look at side chains and they've created new mechanisms that allow for you know for better TPS and for better throughput. Are you using sidechains? Uh, we are not. Our focus is still on the main chain because the sidechain is built on top of the main chain. So all its performance and other attributes are bounded by that of the main chain. So if the Bitcoin takes 10 minutes to confirm a transaction, that means all the transactions on the side chain also take the same or even longer to confirm and uh, although sidechain could like create more uh, space for the data for the transactions but it's uh, still not like a final uh, it still requires the confirmation time and bounded by the attributes of the bitcoin so at 6000 tps obviously you're going to start you know and if you haven't already which i imagine you have enterprises who are tired of using the traditional credit card system. We've seen Kroger's obviously recently say no more to Visa because they were just tired of the transaction fees. And so with 6,000 TPS, I imagine that you're probably getting the attention of some enterprises and some large corporations. Is that true? Yes. So we are now a member of the U.S. Faster Payments Council. Uh, it's an organization founded by many industry leaders in the payment area, such as uh, JP Morgan, Walmart, and Visa. And uh, uh, I will soon go to Chicago for its inaugural meeting, and uh, we'll discuss with uh, these people 
in the industry on how to make the technology better, how Cypherum can be adapted to their existing business model and uh, help them make a better payment system. So with faster throughput, is there any gas associated with that? Um, for if um, for the public blockchain, there will be a gas and uh, the, it has served the same purpose for preventing attacks such as the DDoS. Um, but if you are running our enterprise version, it's uh, like a private or consortium chain, then you don't need to pay gas. And so when you're thinking about other projects that are trying to solve the TPS problem, and I'm not asking you to start to opine on other projects per se, but when you look at some of the other architecture, when you're looking at DAGs, for instance, why do you think other projects are trying to change the architecture if this is the way that we need to do it in terms of what you've been able to design? Um, DAG is an um, interesting data structure, and it has been around for a while, such as IOTA, Vitebao, and uh, it has both its advantage and disadvantage. So the advantage is that it claims high throughput, um, but because it lacks a ordering mechanism, it's not a linear structure like a blockchain, such as Bitcoin or Ethereum. So that means the transaction takes a much more complicated process to get confirmed. And uh, currently, all the DAGs require centralized nodes, such as IOTA is relying on coordinators to confirm the order of the transactions. That means the DAG cannot be fully decentralized. Uh, and also, uh, DAG has a the other problem is that um, the length and duration of the transaction uh, cannot be control so a transaction can get confirmed instantly or can take forever to confirm you don't know so that adds a bit uncertainty and uh, for like banking industry if you are dealing with like millions of dollars every day that amount of transaction you don't want want your transaction to get lost or like takes forever to confirm so, yeah, that's its limitation for the application to the banking industry. And uh, also, it is very difficult, if not impossible, to implement smart contracts over DAG. Yeah, I, I would say that banks don't want to lose billions or trillions of dollars that are transacting through their systems every day. That's, that's a bad day for whoever is in charge of that. Um, in terms of what you you mentioned Java at the at the onset, so you implement a Turing complete virtual machine that's running on Java, and obviously that's one of the most widely used and reliable programming languages in the world. I want to know more about why you chose Java. Is that because programming languages like Solidity are still relatively new to the industry and developers are not necessarily equipped or they haven't there's not enough developers out there currently right now that know that language. Is that why you chose Java? Yeah, that's one of the reasons. So Java has world's largest uh, community of developers, and uh, any developer can 
get started with Java easily uh, because it has uh, a whole ecosystem. So it has like Android. You can get a lot of like standard libraries. It also supports web. So many applications already written in Java. And if you want to uh, make a blockchain version, you can easily migrate from your existing application onto the blockchain. You just need to integrate some APIs. And uh, that's the first reason. And also, the second reason is that the Java virtual machine is much more tested and secure than the Ethereum virtual machine. Uh, the Java, the JVM has been around for over 20 years and uh, all the like financial industry, the banks and uh, uh, the governments are using Java. So it has a much, uh, much better reputation and the technical support. And uh, uh, for example, Ethereum last year experienced a lot of integer overflow attacks that makes uh, thousands of smart contracts vulnerable and uh, uh, millions of dollars worth of tokens were lost or hacked. Um, but Java naturally comes with the check so that this kind of attack is not use, uh, doable on, over Java smart contracts. And uh, the last reason is that the Java virtual machine has a lot of native support of data types, so it runs much more efficient on a machine than Ethereum. On Ethereum, all its data is based on the 256-bit words, and uh, there's a lot of conversion that makes it extremely inefficient for high transaction volume applications. So you mentioned SHA-256 just there. Are you concerned about quantum? Uh, the quantum computing? Mm -hmm. um, I believe it's not a threat for the next five to ten years, but because uh, technology is advancing at light speed, so we don't know what's going to happen after that. And uh, uh, we need to start looking to like, uh, potential solutions for the coming of the quantum computing. And uh, Cypherium has a governance mechanism that allows its com uh, component to be upgraded over time. So before that happens, we can change our algorithm to the quantum proof algorithm and be prepared for that time. So you hit on governance, which has been a topic of a lot of conversation for the last, say, the last six to 12 months. but becoming more and more of a conversation and things that we're talking about on the show too. And so governance leads to discussions on incentive, struct incentive structures within your communities. How does that work? Can you talk a little bit more about the incentive structures and as it relates to governance? Uh, sure. So in our blockchain, um, our governance is maintained by the entire network. So you can, and any node can become a validator, and these validators are able to make decisions by voting. So they can decide, for example, how many transactions they are going to accept, and uh, like the 
gas limit, the block size, its parameters, and uh, also the key components. Um, so it requires the whole community's participation to change something. Uh, and uh, for the incentive mechanism, uh, we have the proof of work block reward, and we also have the transaction fee for the works of the transaction verification and uh, the mining process. Got it. You mentioned that there was a meeting in Chicago that you're going to with some very large corporations, and I'm curious to hear kind of from, as you know, this this podcast goes to institutional investors and family offices, and they're keenly interested to see kind of what institutions are doing. And there have been some large institutions that have been talking more and more about crypto and blockchain. And obviously, those are the JP Morgans, the Facebooks, the Samsungs of the world. In your experience and what you're hearing from them, what issues do you think corporations or what are you hearing from corporations? What issues do they have? And I'm sure I know a few of them off the top of my head in terms of trade secrets getting out, et cetera. But what issues, when you're talking to them, do they have about using public chains? Um, first thing is privacy. Uh, all the public chain, the data is accessible on the public. And uh, um, it's like semi-anonymous. So although an address is not, our transaction is not directly associated with an identity, but uh, there are some way that you could trace all the transactions and eventually find that identity. But this is dangerous for the enterprise customers because they have a massive amount of customers' private data. So if they put all this data on the blockchain, that means anyone could access them. And uh, that's why JP Morgan um, adopt, uh, designed its own Quorum blockchain. It's based on the Ethereum's infrastructure but JP Morgan did a lot of work to improve its privacy. And uh, beyond, uh, besides the privacy, uh, the other thing is the performance, uh, because uh, enterprise clients need to process at least hundreds or thousands of transactions per second, and they have a huge amount of users. So the current existing blockchain, like Bitcoin and Ethereum are not able to support that amount of transactions and data. And that's why they need a faster and also more secure blockchain. So when you talk to them about Cypherium, is it, is it something that universally they're all interested in or is there still a lot of hesitation? Um, we made a lot of breakthrough recently. Uh, so this week I attended the IBM's event on Broadway, and uh, I talked to Jerry Cuomo. He's the uh, head of IBM blockchain team. And uh, we also discussed the potential uh, collaboration of Cypherium and Hyperledger so that we can develop a plugin for Hyperledger to let Hyperledger use our consensus mechanism and improve its performance. And also we are making progress with um, other potential clients as well. 
And so the issue that a lot of the community have that are the Bitcoin maximalists, the Ethereum maximalists, you know, so you, Ethereum folks, you you are maximalists too. They're, it's not just Bitcoin people. Um, and of course, you have everyone else, the armies of the world. The, you know, the problem that a lot of those people on the public blockchain community side have is that with private blockchains, you still effectively have a very large attack vector. You have a permissioned distributed ledger instead of a permissionless distributed ledger and effectively you still have you know significant attack vector if you take you can find one validator you can basically take down the whole thing there's usually on a on a private blockchain there's not that many nodes there's usually maybe a handful of them and so i'm curious you know have you spoken to corporations in this group have you kind of is there an education gap I understand, obviously, the privacy issues for you know first and foremost for them. Um, but in terms of the innovation, in terms of security, do they get that they're still not getting that many benefits from a private blockchain? Yeah, this is a bilateral process. So we are learning from our customers, while the customers also learning from us. Mm-hmm. So their problem is how to use blockchain and why do they need blockchain and our problem is how we can make a blockchain that they will use Um, most of the use cases where blockchain is involved is regarding trust and uh, the trust issue is actually very common problem you can see so that even for like uh, two people or two companies the trust problem often occur so it's a uh, much more complicated than we generally perceived mm-hmm. and uh, that's why blockchain is important uh, for example for the supply chain use case, it involves a lot of parties from the manufacturer to the logistics to the distributor and uh, the vendor, eventually the consumer. And uh, there's no trust among these parties. And that's why the blockchain is needed. And uh, although blockchain we say that it's secure and it's trustless, but it is under certain circumstances. Like you mentioned, some private chains are not secure. I, I think the problem drops because it's design. Um, Hyperledger originally is BFT, so it could tolerate Byzantine faults. Mm-hmm. But... Later, in its newer version, it dropped the BFT and can only tolerate crash failures. So it's much less uh, secure than its original design. And the reason is because the BFT requires a lot of communication. So it's a very inefficient algorithm and uh, the performance is not good enough. And... uh, its users started to complain because if they could not trust its consensus mechanism, if it's not BFT, then 
the blockchain offers them little value.、Mm-hmm. So that's why we are making the improvements. So we are a presenting for tolerant mechanism, and in our consensus, even if a node like gets hacked or goes crash or whatever reason become faulty, become like non-functioning, right? The rest of the nodes will continue to work normally. Let's talk about the consensus a little bit, just you know, before we get into some more about you. But it seems that with Cypherium, you have two processes. And you separate them, so you separate. You have two distinct blockchains、uh, that's meant to really improve the efficiency of both. So you have an election chain where、uh, proof of work leaders write, are writing new blocks, and then you have a transaction chain which is using BFT、uh, to verify the transaction data. Is that common? Where you actually have two chains? Is that something that you guys felt was, you know, an innovation, or is that something that is, you know, fairly well、uh, used in architecture? Um, of course, this dual chain design is relatively new.、Uh, it was originally inspired by a research paper called Bitcoin, and、uh, that was、uh, written by Professor Brian Ford and his team. Um, we took that、uh, design as our ground, and、uh, we built it the f- full implementation based on it. And、uh, there are also other projects、uh, using the similar design. For example, Zilliqa,、uh, they claim to be able to do sharding, and、uh, they also use a dual chain mechanism. But our implement Implementation might be different, and、uh, um, this separation of proof of work and、uh, transaction verification is a new design, but we see it's becoming more and more common. Right. So it's super interesting. So you're you can get to over six thousand or so transactions per second. You're providing the ability to kind of marry proof of work and also Byzantine fault tolerance. You've got two chains that are kind of separating things out.、Um, it seems like there's some gas, but all in all, it sounds like you know obviously for enterprises and for businesses that are trying to you know potentially use a blockchain solution, this sounds like something that is definitely worth. Taking a look at now, getting a little bit to you. As I said, you know, we'd like to learn a little bit about our guest on a personal level, and so obviously you're spending your time building Cypherium. You're, you know, obviously working on the code, you're working on the implementation of it. But I hope that you have some time to obviously read. You know, as I said before, time time again, folks in crypto are some of the most well-read people out there. So I'd love to hear if you're reading anything that you've、uh, that you feel has really kind of hit the mark with you over the last few weeks or months, and then music. And this has been something that I universally ask everyone. It tells a lot about a person's personality.、Mm-hmm. So we'd love to hear kind of what music you listen to in addition to what you're reading.、Uh, for the last couple of weeks, I became obsessed with classical. So I listened a lot of Mozart and、uh, Vivaldi and.、Uh, Uh, like、uh, the Four Seasons, and also like the Tchaikovsky,、uh, uh, Swan Lake, and、uh, Nutcrackers. I just found、um, this music quite relaxing, 
and also help me concentrate and uh, um, just get more aspirations. Mm. And what about reading? I love I love classical, by the way. And you know, all, of all these full, four seasons, it's probably you know one of my favorite. But definitely, what you're you're talking about is also really good. And anything in terms of are you reading any books or anything that's really kind of stuck out to you in the last few weeks? Um, I haven't got a chance to read a book, but I read lots of articles and news. Mm-hmm. So my favorite news are like a uh, TechCrunch mm-hmm. and uh, Wired, mm-hmm. also Bloomberg Tech, uh, and uh, also CoinDesk. I read a lot of industry news mm-hmm. uh, because the world is changing so fast so that most books cannot provide you the most up-to-date information. Yeah. That's why I switched to news. Hmm. Interesting. Any podcasts that you listen to besides Base Layer? <laughs> uh, I listened to... There was some blockchain-related, like finance okay. show magnets. Uh, I listened to that a while ago. And uh, recently... Um, not pretty much blockchain related, but it was more like uh, reviews on the most popular movies and shows. I listened to a critic on the Game of Thrones uh, telling its audience how disappointed its final season is. Oh yeah, let's, they let's should make it. <laughs> I'm, glad you, I'm glad you hit into that. So I'm guessing you're a Game of Thrones fan? Yes, I am. Are you in the camp that is universally outraged by what's happened to Daenerys? Um, yeah, I feel she's a very tragic character. So she first, um, was exiled, uh, her father was killed, and, uh, uh, she was sold to the Dothrakis, um, but she was also tough and strong, uh, from a slave. She eventually, um, made her way and, uh, climbed to the throne. Um, so all this happened, it was like a exciting story, but, um, in the last season, she started to, you know, become unlike herself. So she first made some like become emotional. She told John not to tell people the truth, but mm-hmm. John did and everyone knew it. And then she slew the, King's Landing's people with Black Dragon, so she just became mad, and we can already guess what's gonna happen in the last episode. Right. So, yeah. So, but I, um, a lot of people think it's not what uh, George Martin originally intended. It's just that the producer of the show that made such arrangement. So they are asking the petitioning for the whole remake of the last season. Wow. Yeah, it, the spectacular rise and fall of Daenerys has definitely been, you know, I have to say when I was watching it, um, and it's been enough time, but I'm not going to give away the specifics if people haven't watched it because I don't want any hate mail coming to me. It was fairly, you know, a spectacular rise and fall of of her character. So I agree with you, and it's it's almost like she likes a specific altcoin, but no one wants to talk to her anymore, and so she's just mad at the world. 
Um, but if you know, for people that are wanting to find out more about you and the project and Cypherium, can, and can they, you know, can people actually get on? Can they become? A, how do they become a validator? And where can they find more about you and the project? Sure. Uh, so you're welcome to visit our website, GitHub, and also join our social media. We have a Telegram group and a Twitter. And uh, if you want to try out our uh, software, you can download it from GitHub and where you can find the Cypherium client and you could try some mining and set up your own environment. And if you are an enterprise user, you can go to Amazon Marketplace and search Cypherium. We have the enterprise version of live on there. Awesome. So this is Sky from Cypherium, a project that is trying to bring blockchain to the masses, especially to the enterprise level. Not an easy thing to do, but it sounds like you guys are making some great headway. So check them out and uh, we'll hopefully have you back in a few months to hear how everything's going. Thanks, Guy. Cool. Thank you, David. For more notes from this past episode about our guest, please go to www.ar.ca slash base layer. Nothing stated on this podcast should be taken as investment advice, which would require a thorough assessment of each investor's personal financial profile and risk tolerance. Statements regarding past performance are not necessarily indicative of future returns. For additional resources to help sophisticated listeners like yourself learn about the digital asset space and the financial terms you understand, please visit www.ar.ca for articles, marketing commentary, videos, and more.